Well, good morning. It's lovely to actually see some people. I almost don't know what to do when people are looking back at me, I don't think, and expressions and wondering what they mean, because I haven't seen any expressions from anybody for a while. So it's just lovely to see some people, even behind the mask. I can see the hugs with your eyes, so hug away. That's great. Um, so I'm going to continue this series, David, a, a man after God's own heart, and uh, try to follow on from the amazing sermon, who is my wife. Uh, so I, I'm going to talk this week about character. I'm going to talk about the character of David, the character formation uh, of David. And uh, so I want to start with this statement, really, to say that the greatest, I believe anyway, that the, one of the greatest single determining factors for the fulfillment of God's plan in our lives is not all the things that we like to blame. It's not uh, privilege. It's not recognition. It's not gifting. It's not education or even opportunity. It's character. That's the single determining factor. It's about the ability to stay the course, the tenacity not to give up, the commitment to follow through. It's all those old-fashioned words like honesty, courage, reliability, resilience, humility, compassion, purity, integrity. You know, character means that you will do what you say that you will do, that you will be who you say you are. It means that you walk the walk as well as talk the talk, if you like. But it doesn't happen overnight. Developing character appears over a lifetime and is formed in the crucible of good decisions that we make and the reactions that we have to particular things that happen in our lives, especially those difficult times that we go through. And, you know, I really wish there was another way. (laughs) I wish it could just happen somehow that we got good character. You know, if we could just pray and get it from God, just like that. Or if somebody with good character could lay their hands on you and impart good character, that would be wonderful, but it just doesn't work like that. Well, not in my experience anyway. And developing character is important because if if we're to reach our full potential in God, because no matter what the prophecies over your life say, or the opportunities that might be handed to you on the plate, character is the backbone, the constant, the ultimate determiner of all that we can be. And for that reason, it's also our greatest opportunity. Because this may be the reason why it hasn't happened for you yet. It might be the reason that things haven't turned out as you expected, despite everything, despite the prophetic words, despite the encouragement that you may have received from other people. Because God is protecting you. He's protecting you at the moment because of something in your character that means you couldn't handle the full extent of God's plan for your life at this time. And so instead of frustration about your circumstances, perhaps today you need to ask him what it is that you need to work on in your character. I think somebody's going to get a breakthrough today because it's about character. 
And I think this is what we see from the life of David in this series, David, a man after God's own heart, because he was anointed as king and had a very significant prophetic word from Samuel about it. But it was at least 15 years before anything really happened. For the whole time, for the whole of that period, God was working on his character. And before you start asking God to work on your character, let me just warn you, because a large part of character development is testing. Because from the moment it all started for David, a whole lot of trouble happened. So let's just get into that story and see how character is formed, first and foremost, by testing. I mean, it didn't help that David was anointed king when there was already another man on the throne. I mean, that must have been pretty difficult to live with. We saw that, didn't we, when Paul spoke in 1 Samuel 16, 13. The reality is that from the time that he is anointed by Samuel, David then has to live with the knowledge of what's in his future and get used to carrying the anointing of that future destiny for what was to him an unknown number of years. It's character being formed from day one as he learns to live in that uncomfortable place of unfulfillment for a very long and confusing time. Anybody? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, for me, God spoke to me about being a pastor when I was around about four years old. I was quite young when he spoke to me. But not a lot happened until I was around 40 years of age. And it seemed to be happening for all kinds of other people. They were starting churches. They were taking the leading in other churches. And all I could do was support and encourage them and go to work. And I wondered, when is it going to be my turn? See, living with unfulfilled words over your life, living with promises, living and not knowing, is not about God's forgotten me. It's not about if only God or somebody else could get their act together somehow. No, it's about your character. And it's about whether you will wait for his timing or try to make it happen yourself. See, right away, the confusion begins for David because in the very next part of the chapter, 16, just after Samuel had anointed him, it seems that everything is about to happen now. It says that David enters the service of the king there in verse 21. Just seven verses later, seven verses after the anointing. And it comes about because someone, Saul, Because Saul needs someone to play the harp well to calm him down when the madness comes upon him. I know somebody who's pretty good, one of his attendants says, and David is brought to the palace for an audition which he passes with flying colors. And verse 21, it says that David came to Saul and entered his service and Saul liked him very much. And David became one of his armor bearers, which is a very trusted position right next to the king. And so Saul sent word to David's father, Jesse, saying, please allow David to remain in my service because I'm pleased with him. Great start. And he must have thought, this is it. Samuel's prophecy is being fulfilled. I'm going to be king. 
I've got all the signs. You know, I'm in the palace. I can even touch the throne. And when the king's about, not about, I can sit on it and try it for size. Now, I've just got to wait for Saul to see it. Or maybe I've got to wait for him to die. And you see, David had to live in the palace in this place of unfulfillment and resist the temptation to jump the process and make it happen for himself. And I don't know about you, but this can be a very frustrating place to be when other people don't see the obvious calling and anointing that's on my life. You know, especially when the leaders fail to see it, fail to get the revelation. I mean, come on, guys, can't you see it? But, you know, this is just the beginning for David as the testing continues and God begins to shape his character facing a series of difficulties. He faces attack, delay, and the desire to run away. So let's look at those things. Firstly, delay. Because although David could have thought he was about to be promoted, nothing was further from the truth. David was there in the service of the king simply because he was someone who could play the harp well. It was playing the harp well that got him into the palace and it brought calm to Saul. And so if David had had any big ideas about what he was doing there, he was soon put in his place. Within a couple of chapters, Saul begins to throw his spear at him and use him for target practice. So in verse 10, it says, the next day an evil spirit came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp as he usually did. And Saul had a spear in his hand and he held it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. I mean, guys, how would you feel if your boss started throwing metaphorical spheres at you or your teacher or somebody because you weren't getting the answers right? Or just because they were bored and wanted to do something? Or every time that you prophesied, which is basically what uh, David was doing when he was playing the harp, is he was prophesying that every time you prophesied, you got pinned to the wall by somebody. I mean, can you imagine the conversations around the dinner table when he visited home back from the palace? So, David, how's the new job going? He did what? Dodging spears and arrows? What kind of place is this? I mean, his whole family had witnessed Samuel anointing David as king. I mean, surely they must have given him some well-meaning advice about what David should do to protect himself. I mean, surely it's time, David, for you to call in human resources at this point. This isn't on. But here's the character development point in delay. Will you stay in the place of God's appointment even though it is difficult? Will you stay even if you don't feel valued? Even if your true gifts are not seen and wait for God's timing? And you say, well, I know God called me to do this job or to go to that place, but why is it so hard? Why is it just so difficult? This angry man keeps throwing things at me. Well, it's because God knows what he is training you for. 
and the promotion that he will give you when you are ready, when you are able to carry that which he's called you for. But all the people are chanting your name, David. They, they've even made up a song about you because you killed the giants. In chapter 19, this song, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. They're singing it everywhere. They're dancing. They're having a party. They don't even want Saul anymore. The old leader, you know, the old boss has lost it. They want David. And they begin to shout his name. Do you know what Saul does? He just throws another spear at the wall. And this is the second part of our character development. It's attack, attack. I mean, how would you have coped? You have been called by God, but nobody else recognizes it. You know that you have future promises and even a prophetic word from a famous prophet And you see it all so clearly, but nobody else sees it or agrees with you. Or at least your leaders don't. (laughs) What would you do? You know, would you recognize the stage, the season that you were in? Or would you try to shortcut this process? You know, one day Saul drops off, slips something into his drink. You know, a bit of poison spread around, a little bit of he said, she said, or one day when he's not looking, mount a little coup. What would you do? I mean, what would you do if you don't get the credit that you feel you deserve? Hand in your notice? Insist on the recognition you deserve. Ask for another pay rise. I need my bonus now. Undermine the boss, criticize the leaders, then storm off eventually, slamming the door behind you. What would you do when you're not recognized? Honestly, I don't know how David coped. It says that he eluded Saul twice, but it happened many more times. That isn't a great workplace for anybody, is it? But something kept him there. And he didn't run. He didn't leave the palace of God's appointment. He just learned to dodge spears very well. Sometimes, you know, when we feel under attack in a position or a place, it can be very easy to take the easy way out and go somewhere else. But, you know, If you do this and you keep doing that, it becomes a character flaw. And what you find is that you just take the same problem with you wherever you go. And surprise, surprise, it keeps happening over and over again. So look, if you're in that place right now, I just want to ask you, stop and think. Stop and think and say, God, what is it that you're trying to teach me? In this place. Where do I need to grow right now? And it might mean that you have to have some difficult conversations with people. Not to win the argument you understand. But to learn the right questions. So that you can grow and your character formed to stand even in the face of opposition. That will inevitably come in the future. Because any calling of significance 
faces opposition. And it doesn't stop when you get to the palace. It doesn't stop when you get to become king. It becomes a part of your character. It becomes a part of who you are. Of course, you might still have to leave eventually, but you leave well. <laughs> and you leave the door open behind you. Instead of slamming it, you leave it open. So don't run away. That's the third point. Don't run away. I'll be honest with you, I've known times when I've wanted to just run away. I was with a bunch of pastors recently, and they all confessed that at least once a week, especially through the pandemic, they've just wanted to run away. It's just been hard work. And I know what it is to want to run away. I, you know, I, I've known opposition. I've known testing. I've known misunderstanding. I, I know times that I've doubted, times that have failed, messed up, been betrayed and let people down. Being afraid and had to do it anyway. Being sick, had crazy things happen to me. I get it. I really do. I really get it. The desire to run is strong in this one. (laughs) But acknowledging this doesn't mean that you have to do it. (laughs) Because sometimes it just takes character to stay. Am I speaking to anybody? There's people in the room. It takes character to stay, character to keep going, character to keep turning up, keep trusting, and not to give up. Sometimes that's what it is. That's the character point. So don't run away. Don't run away. If God has called you, don't be intimidated. Even if there's a giant standing in your way, how many people know that behind every great opportunity there is a giant that has to be fought to enter the promised land? Behind every great opportunity. They, Alison showed us this so well last week. And of course, David could only fight that giant because of years of training and courage. I love that phrase from last week, training in courage, learning in the secret place, protecting his father's sheep from the lions, the bears and the wolves. There's some positive character development right there. You know, winning private battles so that you don't have to run away from public battles that other lesser character people, people with character traits, fail. Saul couldn't stand up against the giant, neither could any of his men. Don't run away. Don't run away unless God tells you to. (laughs) Don't leave just because it's tough unless you have to. You know, it takes character to stay, to stand, and to fight. But I also need to say that sometimes you don't have a choice. And running away is the only option. That takes character too. (laughs) When you finally have to own up and say, I can't do this. I can't do this. I need to leave this place. That's okay. See, David didn't have a choice just a couple of chapters later in 1 Samuel 19, 10 to 12. I'm just going to read you verse 10. It says that, Saul tried to pin him to the wall again with a spear, but David eluded him. As Saul drove the spear into that wall, and that night David made good his escape. It was enough. 
David had to leave or be killed and it wasn't right to fight. However mad Saul had become, you see, he was still the king and David was not. He wasn't going to become king in a fight like that. That wasn't God's way for him. And so with his wife's help, he slipped away in the middle of the night and hid until God made a way for him to come back. Sometimes it's right to leave so that you can live and not die. But even in running, David's character was being formed. Here's the character point in running. Don't bad bad mouth Saul. Don't hurt him in any way. Because even if he gets delivered into your hand, keep your heart right. Keep your heart right and don't touch the Lord's anointed. Because if your heart gets wrong, you've lost anyway. You've lost anyway. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Delay, attack, don't run away unless you must. And then guard your heart and keep your heart right. Because in the end, godly character comes from a right heart. So how is your heart? How is your heart? Because you know a person's heart from the character that you can see. So how do we grow character well? What kinds of questions are likely to come up on the test? I mean, that always helps, doesn't it? If you're going to go into an exam of any kind, knowing what the questions are is really helpful. So here you go. Here are some of the questions that are going to come up on the character test so that we can respond quickly and hopefully avoid some of those awkward delays. All right? Are you up for this? Here's the first thing. In my experience... Uh, I mean, there are loads more questions possibly, but these, in my experience, are the three main questions that come up time and time again. Firstly, are you honest? Secondly, are you clean? Thirdly, are you trustworthy? So firstly, are you honest? Because God wants truth in his people, not lies. Even lies about yourself. Are you honest? Can you be relied upon to speak the truth, even if it costs you? Can you own up when you get it wrong? Can you come clean on your mistakes? That's what it means to speak truth. You know, it can be very tempting to avoid conflict uh, by faking it or twisting the truth when things get a bit uncomfortable because generally... We just want to be approved by others, don't we? We don't want to fall out with other people. We want them to think well of us. But is it worth it if we lose the approval of the Holy Spirit? That's the question. See, Saul lost the anointing that David gained because he didn't have the character to do what was right and live truthfully. He chose rather to give in to the fear of man and his desire for their approval. Don't lose the anointing. Don't fall for it. Don't fake it. However much pressure you feel you're under, be honest and trust God with the consequences. I've told you this story before. Sorry, it's something to do with getting older. You end up repeating stories. This is what I'm learning. But many years ago, I was asked to lie for my boss because of a mistake that had been made, and it was likely to cost my firm quite a lot of money. And I really wrestled with this because I really loved this guy, and I respected him, and But I didn't want to compromise like that. 
And God just gave me this line. He said, I said to him, look, if I lie for you, then how do you know I'm not going to lie to you in the future? He said, you can trust me now because you know I always tell the truth. But if I tell this one lie, that will be lost. He said, you're right, please don't lie for me. And I told the truth to the client, and the client basically forgave us. And we actually won that client by being honest with them because they could trust us. Don't lie, even if it costs you. Secondly, are you clean? Because only those who are pure in heart see God. That's what it says in Matthew 5.8. Only those with clean hands and a pure heart can ascend the mountain of the Lord and stand in his holy place. That's Psalm 24, 3-4. So what does it mean to be clean? If you look at David's life, he wasn't always clean. <laughs> he certainly seemed to have a problem with women and lust. And yet he's described as a man after God's own heart. Wow. And I think that this is what purity is ultimately all about. The singular pursuit of God. That's purity right there. I'm going to run after him anyway. Yeah, I've failed. Yeah, I've messed up. Yeah, I've sinned. But I'm going to keep running after God. That's the purity of heart. That he requires. Because as we've seen in this series already, God doesn't use perfect people, he uses willing people. So pursue him, seek him, wait on him, know how broken we are, because that's what makes us dependent upon him. No other goal, no other ambition than him. That's pure. And he can use people like that. And finally, Here's the final question on the test. And do you know this question? I didn't know if this was the right word, so you can tell me if I got this wrong, because there's so many parts to this question of are you trustworthy? Because can you be trusted to handle conflict? Can you be relied upon when it gets tough, or will you run away? And I think this is one of the main things that trips us up in life, that things get too hard for us. The opposition is too strong. The trials go on for too long. And we lack the emotional resilience to see it through. And I actually think that this is one of David's uh, biggest character flaws that appears throughout his life as it goes on. So, for example, the way that he refused to confront Amnon, who raped his sister in 2 Samuel 13. How he handled the leadership challenge by his son Absalom in 2 Samuel 15. David should never have left the palace. God had given him the palace, but he left it because he was too afraid to confront his son. David, it seems, was great on the battlefield, but he couldn't confront the problems in his own family and bring discipline there. He avoided personal conflict and confrontation like the plague. And so his family was dysfunctional. It was riddled with problems. So what about you? Can you see things through? Can you have the difficult conversations that are needed from time to time? Can you be trusted to work things through with people? Can you resolve things or do you run away? I can honestly say that for me, this is one of the hardest things about leadership. 
you know, these can be some really tricky conversations to have and get right. And I haven't always done that well. And so I put it off. And I think if I put it off, if I pretend it's not there, if I bury my head, perhaps it'll just disappear and get sorted all by itself. That doesn't work. I've discovered that it just gets even harder to have the conversation because you're talking about something that happened six months ago and you're all scratching your head to try and remember what it actually was. But people of character persevere to have the conversations that are needed to resolve things and move things on. And you know, you may not like these kinds of people because they insist on talking things through. (laughs) But in the end, you can trust them. That's the thing, because they're trustworthy. You know that you know that they know, and you're going to work things through. That's the kind of people we need to be. So three questions that God is asking of you in these times. Three questions on the paper, so you're going to pass the test. Are you honest? Are you clean? Are you trustworthy? Let me just conclude. As followers of Jesus, we're called to a type of personhood in Christ where who I am is more important than what I do. In the same vein, I have been amazed time and time again how God makes it clear that his work in me is more important than the work I do for him. His work in me is more important than what you do for him. My character is more important than my ministry or my job. Who I am is more important than what I do. What I do in secret has more significance than what I do in public because that's about character. And it's the same for you. I just want to say, if you are frustrated by delay, I mean, there's been a lot of it this year. If you're frustrated by delay or confused with the lack of opportunity, don't jump out too soon. Because you'll only have to go through the same thing again somewhere else. Allow God to work on your character. Ask him about it. Be more concerned with with who you are than what you do or the position that you hold. Great character comes out of these questions. I've just missed myself. What am I saying? How is your heart? No, I've just lost my place. (laughs) These great questions. Yes, I've already told you about those. Are you working on them? That will mean you become a person of character. So let me ask you as I close, how is your heart? How is your heart? If your heart runs after God, then you will want to work on your character because people that pursue God want to be right with him and want to fulfill everything that he has for them. So take a look around your life. Just right where you are, just, just close your eyes for a minute. Just take a look around your life and ask yourself, where are the pressure points at the moment? Where's that niggling feeling of being shut in a corner? Where where does that frustration come from? Now, you already know. You knew straight away, didn't you? Now, ask the Holy Spirit, what part of my character do you want to develop in me through this experience? Because, Lord, 
I stop fighting. I stop fighting and I submit to you. I just want to say to you, some of you need to stop praying, God, get me out of here. And you need to say rather, Lord, when you finish working my character, will you please get me out of here? Will you help me to do that quickly? Lord, help me through this. Stop praying, God, get me out of here, because you'll miss something. You'll miss something. Don't jump. Don't run away. It's about your character. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just pray for you, and I'm going to close. So, Father God, we offer ourselves again to you. What do you want to do? What do you want to do with us, Lord? Where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to be? Father, it's all about you. It's all for you. Forgive us, Lord, where we've tried to make it happen in our own strength. Forgive us, Lord, where we've got frustrated and negative and irritated with people for not seeing what seems so obvious to us. Thank you, Lord, for protecting us when we didn't know that we needed to be protected. Thank you, Lord, for stopping us when we've tried to make big decisions and it's not been in your way. Thank you, Lord, that you love us so much that you work with us on our character. So, Lord, we offer ourselves again to you. Lord, will you mold us? Will you shape us? Will you help us to be the people that you've called us to be? To be people who are after your heart, who pursue you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.